0: Well, here we are. Let me just go ahead and give you uh, an advance. Next Sunday morning, a gentleman by the name of Mark Johnson will be here with us. You will not have to tolerate me a second week. Hopefully, Brother Mark will find it in himself to stay with us for a while and help us as we move forward in our transition and our process. In the meantime... If you brought a Bible, Ephesians chapter 2, and I know immediately somebody said, wait a minute, how many times? Well, probably till we plummets depths, all right? If you remember a couple of weeks ago, I preached out of Ephesians chapter 2, and last Sunday, Brother Andrew got up and brought us a message out of Ephesians chapter 2, and today we're going back to Ephesians chapter 2. Today, we're going to talk about two of the solas of the Reformation, faith alone and Christ alone. The reason that I put these two together is I I found myself struggling and realizing you can't really explain one and do justice to it without binding it to the other, and so today we're going to look at these two concepts together because they belong together. Martin Luther, the German monk who sparked the Reformation, like virtually everyone I've ever known, including myself, struggled with a sense of alienation from God, spiritual inadequacy. But as he read and studied the Word of God, the Holy Spirit began to open his eyes. He began to see truth, and he testified that he experienced an exhilarating sense of personal freedom. It's kind of hard for me to imagine, honestly, what it would have been like to be an adult who has struggled for years to serve the church, and yet at all the way through that have been missing the truth. But finally, Luther was able to write these words, my sin does not belong to me, it belongs to Jesus. What an amazing freedom it had to be. Luther discovered the good news. He found the gospel buried under centuries of traditions and prayers and candles and rituals. Now, please understand, the truth was there all the time. The church believed in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. They believed in the scripture, but they had reached a point where they allowed human traditions and teachings to usurp the authority of scripture. Now, I could spend all day talking about that. I'm not going to. I just want you to get this one amazing truth. God's truth was there all the time. Always has been. Always will be. But the reformers came along and they Found it. Certainly, it's all over the Word of God. And today I'm just going to tell you we're going to read together out of Ephesians chapter two verses six through ten, and that's going to be the the foundational text. But please understand I'm not going to give you a whole lot of time, but I am going to throw a lot of different scriptures at you. Okay, so if you're a note taker, I apologize in advance, and if you'll drop me a line, I'll email you all the passages that I use. All right, and we'll make sure that you have the information that you want to have. But if you've got your Bible open, I want you to have the most important information. It's found in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to begin our reading at verse 6. If you can and will, I'm going to invite you to stand with me in honor of our Heavenly Father as we read together this morning from His inspired and holy word. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning at verse 6, we read these words. And God, what a great place to begin. And God. Raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray that in this Time in these moments you would open our eyes help us to see to understand to embrace the truth even as you have helped others through the centuries and Father I pray specifically this morning if there is one in this room who does not know you that today your Holy Spirit would reveal to them the sin in their heart, the Savior who has come, and the salvation that is available. Father, speak to our hearts through your holy word this morning. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. By now, you should be growing familiar with these verses. They tell me that repetition is important in learning. Well, we've repeated them, repeatedly, and we will continue until we begin to understand and get a hold of it, but this morning, I want us to begin by looking at just a couple of concepts and then put those concepts together and see if we can grasp the intent of God and the meaning of these words Let's begin by, if we can, looking at the concept, the word faith. Faith. Now, in Ephesians chapter 2, we find this word in verse 8, where we read, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith faith, that's a marvelous an amazing word, but I want you to think about that word with me for a little bit I want you to understand something, faith is not an abstract, shadowy mystery that is beyond human comprehension Paul tells us here that faith is the gift of God it comes from Him, to me that's an amazing thing because we're always telling people, you need to have faith hold on to this, pray in faith, believing. hold on, your faith needs to grow listen folks I want you to understand something about faith. Yes, we all need faith, but faith is a gift from God. It's not something you naturally have. We are not born with faith. It's not something you can whip up when you realize, man, life's getting tough. I better gin up a little extra faith. It's not something you can will yourself into. And we're pretty good about this because here's the reality. Most of us have this mentality that, you know what, if things are going bad, I can tough it out. I can, I can, if I can see the light out there somewhere, it may be a month away. It may be a year away. If you're a student, it may be four, five, six years away. But if I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, I can persevere. I can push through. I can get there. You can't do that with faith. You can't get up one morning and say, I'm going to be a person of faith. I'm going to make this happen. You can't. Why? Because faith is the gift of God. It comes from Him. He pours it into our lives. And can I tell you why He gives us faith? Paul already did. It's so that we can have a personal relationship with Him. Now understand, once that relationship is established, then that faith begins to spread its tentacles all through our lives. It begins to to make its way into all types of situations. Once that faith is there, once it is present, once we come to know the nature and the character of our Father, that faith begins to be applied to all the various areas of our lives. But What is faith? What does God's Word tell us about faith? Perhaps the the most well-known passage of faith is found in Hebrews chapter 11. That's where we read about all those great people of faith in the history of Israel. But at the very beginning of that chapter, you read in verses 1 and 2 these words. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. That's what the ancients were commended for. When I read those verses, when I read verse one, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. My mind, running away it does, which is, I know, kind of odd and unusual, jumps immediately to a fellow by the name of Thomas. Y'all remember Thomas? Thomas was one of the chosen twelve. Traveled with Jesus, ate with Jesus, listened to Jesus, watched Jesus. And, and, and when Jesus was crucified and they took his body off the cross and they buried it in the tomb, we don't know exactly what happened, but Thomas went AWOL. He disappeared. So that the first time Jesus came and appeared to the disciples, guess who was missing? Thomas. That's a whole nother sermon. You never know what's going to happen when you skip church. Jesus showed up. Thomas wasn't there. Everybody else saw him, and they were telling him all about it afterward. You're not going to believe who showed up at church. We were in the upper room. The doors were closed and locked. The windows were shuttered. There wasn't any way in. There wasn't any way out. And all of a sudden, boom, Jesus was there. And Thomas said, right, It was true. Thomas told him, he said, look, guys, I'm glad y'all had that experience, whatever it was that y'all did. But until I can see him with my eyes, until I can touch him with my hands, (laughs) I'm not believing that. I love it when people challenge God. We're told not to do that, but I just love it when God shows off. They were together again. Thomas was with them this time, and guess who shows up? Jesus. And I mean, it was kind of like Thomas wasn't even a man of his own words. He, He didn't have to touch him. I mean, as soon as he saw him, he fell on his knees. He said, my Lord and my God. You remember what Jesus said to him? Because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Faith is being sure of what we hope for, certain of what we do not see. You read the Gospels, and on, on numerous occasions, Jesus called out people for their lack of faith. I, every, I just, I chuckle every time I read those words. Oh, ye of little faith! Those words were written for me because I'm one of those people who finds myself sometimes doubting and, and worrying and thinking things aren't going to work out. You know, Jesus even called out his own apostles, the disciples that he personally had invited to follow him. He called them out and called them people of little faith. But you know what's equally amazing to me is when you read the Gospels, you also find Jesus sometimes dealing with people who weren't even of Hebrew blood. They were not part of the nation of Israel. They weren't Jewish. And he's amazed at their faith. And a couple of times he even says, I I haven't found faith like this in all of Israel. See, here's the reality. Faith hasn't got anything to do with your bloodline. It has nothing to do with your nationality or your race or your language. It has everything to do with your heart and your connection to God. There's one statement that's too often overlooked, bypassed, ignored, if you will about faith. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 and you're going to say well I, I know this. Well, as soon as I say it you're going to say "Oh, I know that. We know it but we ignore it. It's this. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Think about that for a second. Without faith it is impossible to please God. Now back the truck up. Where did we say faith came from? It's the gift of God. He gives it to us. So the only way we can please God is to exercise what he gives us. You know what that means? There's not anything you can do or I can do that's going to please God except what God wants us to do and gives us the ability to do. I see the deer in the headlights. So allow me to move along. That, listen, I could talk about faith all day long, but you're already lost. I'm already lost. That's as short, brief, and simple as I can make it. Probably too short, maybe too brief. But I don't want us to overfocus on the concept of faith to the point that we neglect or, or don't leave adequate time for two other important issues that we've got to talk about. One other topic, and, and that second topic is Christ. Again, there we are in Ephesians chapter 2, and we need to see what it says. I was looking through these verses as I was preparing for today, and it told me in verse 6, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You jump over to verse 10, it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. There seems to be a theme running through here. Our salvation, our new birth, our regeneration, our new beginning has to do with Christ Jesus. One of the amazing things that I I, I love about the Word of God is it does not leave us wondering who Jesus Christ is. I know there's a lot of discussion about it in today's world and those who've rejected the word of God and those who've turned away from the church and those who've turned their backs and said there is no God those are the same people who say I'm just not sure about this Jesus fella. Read the book. The word of God does not leave us questioning who Jesus is. Let me just give you a a brief primer if I might. He is the only begotten Son of God, the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, and He is the Lion of Judah. He is the root of Jesse and the good news of God to all people. He's the great physician in whom there is all healing. He's the great shepherd, and He is the door to the sheepfold. He's the living water and He's the bread of life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our creator, our sustainer, and our keeper. He is our rock and He is our fortress. He is our shield and He is our protector. He is our defender and our covering. He is our savior and redeemer, our salvation and our hope. He's our constant companion and the lover of our souls. He is the wonderful counselor. The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I could keep going, folks. The list goes on and on and on if you'll just read the book. God's Word doesn't leave us any doubt about who Jesus Christ is, it doesn't leave us doubting His identity, His authenticity, or His mission. God is very clear and plain. Man was lost in sin and in need of a Savior that he could not find, create, or be himself. And so God sent his Son. Why did Jesus come? I had a discussion several months ago with a gentleman on an airplane. And he told me, he said, you know, my problem with this whole Jesus thing is it makes no sense to me that God, if he exists, would sacrifice his son, if that's who he was, for all the rest of us. I mean, that's kind of a cruel father, don't you think? It made me start thinking. I'd heard the question, just hadn't had it posed to me quite that way before. I answered him in part, but I worked on my answer more after I got home and thought, okay, Lord, I guess that's a warning. I'll be better prepared the next go-round. Why did Jesus come? He came according to Romans 3, 10, and 11, because there is no one righteous, no, not even one. There is none who understands. There is no one who seeks after God. He came because we wouldn't come. He came because we didn't understand what we were. He came because we were broken and couldn't fix ourselves. He came because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, according to Romans 3.23. And the wages of that sin is death, according to Romans 6.23. He came because we all like sheep have gone astray. We have, each one of us, turned to our own way and the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53 verse 6. You see, it may not make sense to most people but I want you to hear the heart of God. God's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Second Peter, 3: nine. In fact, God loved him so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3:16, you know that. Jesus had to come because, according to Hebrews 10:4, it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. But without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. It had to happen, folks. It had to happen. It had to occur. And so here is this amazing God who gives us faith so that we can believe in this marvelous Christ And that brings me to the point where I have to, for the sake of time and brevity, draw those two matters and bring them together as one and tell you something very true and very simple and very basic. Faith alone in Jesus Christ alone saves. There's nothing else. Salvation is from God. He saw our plight and He provided our Redeemer. He sent the Lamb of God, His only begotten Son, to die in our place and pay the price for our sin. Paul wrote about this back in in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Remember? God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. There's not anything that you or I could ever say or do or pay or be that would be enough to purchase our salvation. That's why we started where we did this morning. Are you washed in the blood? There's nothing else that can give you life. There's nothing else that can make you clean. There's nothing else that can bring you hope. God made the way. He provided the sacrifice to pay for our sin. And then, as if that weren't enough, then God gives us the faith to believe in it. Now, I want you to hear me this morning. I want you to listen very carefully. Faith is not just a fix-all. What do you mean? Faith in faith does not save. Well, I have to be saved. I have faith. In what? Well, I was told I have to have faith. You do. But what is your faith in? Well, I have faith. You're confused. Faith in faith does not save. Can I tell you something? Faith in the Bible does not save you. Faith in the church does does not save you. Faith in a denomination does not, will not, cannot ever save you. Faith in a family member or, or a pastor or a friend who's who's strong in their faith and, and, and a foundational firm believer. That's great that you love them and you have a relationship with them but that's not going to save you. Salvation comes by faith alone in Jesus alone. That is saving faith. I've used that term before, saving faith. I've had people come to me and say, What do you mean by saving faith? When I talk about saving faith, I'm talking about a faith that believes in what the Word of God says and who Jesus is. Saving faith is characterized by an acknowledgement of personal sin. God's word says that I'm a sinner therefore it must be right because he's God, if he says it, it's got to be right, right so he's right, I'm a sinner for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God it involves an understanding of the fact that Jesus died for my sin listen, I can say he died for the sins of the world isn't that nice and generic let's make this personal, he died for me he died for you. He died because each one of us is a sinner and there's not saving faith. Saving faith involves a transfer of trust. No one else is offered to save me. No one else has offered to pay for my sin. No one else has offered to make me clean or make me whole or make me right with God. Jesus did, and I trust Him to do it. I have transferred my trust to Him and Him alone because He is the only one who gives me that hope. And do you know what I found after I placed my faith in Him and I trusted Him like that? I began to grow in my faith. My faith began to extend out into other areas and other portions of my life. And as a consequence of this new relationship with Him and that growing faith, I found myself, pardon the gasp, (gasps) doing good works. I did things that I would never have done before. But do you know why I did them? Allow me to share with you. I did them because God prepared them in advance for me to do. That's what it says in verse 10. (laughs) Wow. People came to Jesus in John chapter 6 and they asked Him in verses 28 and 29 the same question a lot of people ask today. What must we do to do the works God requires? See, people ask that question because they want to know, what do we have to do to make God accept us? What do we have to do to be good enough to earn God's love? What do we have to do in order to satisfy Him so that He will accept us and receive us? And they ask Jesus the same thing. What must we do to do the works of God? Do you know what Jesus told them? The work of God is this, to believe in the one that He has sent. Does it get much simpler than that? Jesus said, you want to do the work that God desires from you, believe in me. I'm convinced that there are probably some here this morning who are anxious, wondering. Am I doing enough? Am I good enough? Have I given enough? Can God love me? Yes, he can. Not only can God love you, but I want you to know something. God does love you. He loves you. He loved you before you were ever born. He loved you before you were named. He loved you before anybody ever knew you were going to be because he knew you were going to be. He loved you so much that he allowed his son to come and pay the price for the sins that he knew that you and I would commit. He already paid the price in advance. I had a fellow tell me one time, that doesn't make any sense at all, preacher. It doesn't work like that. Really? Why is that so hard to believe? Well, no one could pay in advance. You ever gone to a movie or a ball game and walked up to the will call window and gotten your ticket? I have. It was already bought, paid for, in advance. I just want to tell you something. If Major League Baseball can pull it off. I'm a baseball fan, but still, I think God outranks MLB. MLB. If they can pull it off, surely God can do that. And he did. Our salvation, our justification, our relationship with him is based on what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. And in order to benefit from that, we have to believe in him. Trust him. Hang on, hang on. And nothing else Faith alone in Jesus, plus anything else, is to be lost. Faith alone in Jesus, Christ alone, is salvation. You cannot add to it. You cannot make it more than it is. You cannot make it less than it is. And so I want to ask you this morning, who or what are you trusting in today? If you're not trusting in Christ alone, by the faith alone that God has given you, then you, my friend, are in terrible danger. And I know someone said, well, why would you say that? That's a horrible thing to say, to tell us that we're in danger. Let me just ask you a question. What kind of friend would I be? What kind of person would I be if I saw horrific danger heading your way and I didn't stop and warn you and say, hey, you need to get out of here. You need to run to the cross, flee to Jesus, find hope, find life, find safety, find security. What kind of person would I be if I didn't tell you that? I'd be terrible. And God would hold me accountable. And so listen to me for two more minutes and I'll stop, I promise. You're a sinner. So am I. I found salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And he didn't just offer it to me, he offers it to everyone. Everyone. And if you're here this morning, you don't have a personal relationship with your Heavenly Father. He wants a relationship with you. But you're not going to get it any other way except through Jesus Christ. You say, well, that's kind of narrow and bigoted. No, it's kind of biblical. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's it. Open, shut. You're in or you're out. You're with Jesus or you're not. Said Preacher, you don't understand who I am or where I've been or the things I've done and what I've gotten involved in. God couldn't accept me. Oh, yes, he can. It doesn't matter. It's not his desire that any should perish. And that includes the worst among us. Would you come to him? Would you trust him? Listen, if there's inside of you a desire, a longing, I want you to understand something. That's faith. And you didn't make that up. God has given that to you. That's one of the ways that he calls us to himself. He gives us a faith to believe and he draws us to himself. Is he drawing you today? Do you want that relationship, need that relationship? Then he's calling you into that relationship. Accept what he offers and see how he transforms your life. So I'm not a bad person. I, I don't really need much to happen in my life. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Would you let him do that in your life today? Let's bow our heads together. In just a moment, we're going to stand together and sing a song of invitation, of commitment. Not to stretch the service out, not to make anyone uncomfortable, but to give everyone an opportunity to respond to the voice of God and the Word of God. If it may be that God is calling you today, would you come to Him? My friend, if you don't have a relationship with Him, you're in terrible danger. Run to the cross. Run to Jesus. And let him make you a new creation. Say, I know I belong to him. Okay, praise God for that. What about the people around you? Family members, friends, co-workers, classmates. Do they know? What kind of person, what kind of friend are you, would you be? if you saw the danger looming before them and you didn't warn them. Maybe God's calling you to invite someone else to come to Him. What's God saying to you? I invite you, hear His voice. Be obedient. Father, I thank You this morning for Your Word. Lord, I thank You that even with all we jumble up in our minds the confusion we create you've kept this all amazingly simple we need a savior you've provided one we need faith to believe in him you give it we need to know that we're supposed to come and you call us we need to understand the why you convict us And Father, it may be that in this room this morning there's someone here who doesn't know you. I pray for them, Father. Help them to see the danger, to understand the need, to feel a compelling from your Spirit to come to you today in confession and repentance, believing and receiving. Father, for my brothers and sisters, the bride of Christ in this room, Oh, give us a vision of the danger and a burden to share with the lost around us. Father, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lord, my greatest fear Sunday after Sunday is that we come in here, we, we worship together, we leave, but we're not changed. We go out the doors and and everything is just like it was before. Don't let that happen, Father. Break our hearts today that we might see what's around us and the opportunity that is ours and the calling that's on our lives so that we would serve you faithfully. Father, have your way in our lives. we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. My friends, we're going to sing this song through. If you need to come, I invite you to come. The altar is open. This is God's invitation to you if you need to come. Come on right now while we sing.